Interesting. So what's that intuition? What is that thing that you guys have that you can say, well, this guy, this person, this person, if he deletes Figma files, they fire him today. <laughs> or if he deletes what <laughs> kind of thing? So Jessup, 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 make a process where they ask you to take a personality test, personality test to check the kind of personality type that you are. So it is said that type A personalities, they are very, very, So hi everybody, welcome to the pod. This episode today is awesome. This is the coolest recruiter I've ever had to speak to. The episode I've started. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking with Esther. And Esther is a recruiter, basically. So all the gist and all the questions that I have gathered and I have formed myself, you know, in relation to how to get hired. We may have to discuss one or two here. So before I move on, Esther, if you'd like to introduce yourself, you know, it would be nice. Okay, thank you so much for having me on your podcast and for believing that I'm interesting enough to be here. I mean, you have like a very good um, podcast to be able to share information to people and I feel valued that I am a guest on this podcast. And so let me introduce myself. I don't know how to give job titles or introduce myself by job titles because I feel like we're bigger than job titles. So you can't just categorize yourself and say, okay, I'm a product designer and that's all. I'm a HR person, I'm a recruiter. I think my life in itself or my essence is bigger than just one part of what I do for how many hours, which is like a nine to five. So I would say my name is Esther Ebe. I like to see myself as a purpose driver, one with a mission to interrupt whatever is not working in people's life and inspire them to do things that inspire themselves and their communities. And one of the expressions on which I do it is uh, we are people operations and which is fancy for HR. Yes. So people operations and in that I get to work on um, hiring, um, recruiting talents and also managing people processes. So basically design work, the workplace in such a way that it's fun, it's inclusive and it's engaging for employees to come work be their best self and actually grow on the job so that is a brief of what i do what's like your background and or before venturing into hiring okay so you've been saying product design so i did not venture i'm not a product designer let me put that well yeah my background i have a background in psychology i studied psychology for my uh, bsc my undergrad and I have since like after so the psychology has like different fields and work and organizational psychology kind of just tickled my interest and I'm like oh yes I am I want to understand why people are so passionate about work I mean they spend most of their life at work work should be a place where it's and get like it's a two-way street you're helping the business and you're also helping yourself check it and it kind of sort of just happened I started in recruiting consulting nice. basically so uh, i was headhunting basically end to end so you look for the talents you also look for the clients that need the talent so you look for companies that want to recruit then you find recruits for them and basically close that so that's where i started from and then i moved into um what's it called um generalist hr basically so treatment and kind of just moved and gone to like different aspects of HR recruitment, learning and development, employee engagement, onboarding, offboarding, basically like that. So in between, I've had breaks where I've had to focus on passion projects. I'm really big on social impact projects. And so I've worked with NGOs and non-profit organizations, both in Nigeria and the US. So yeah, so that is me. That's why I said I'm bigger than a job title. That's interesting. Uh, in one episode of the pod, in the coming episode of the podcast, I have a script written out to talk to a psychologist or somebody in that field. So <laughs> it would be nice to have you on the pod again for that episode. No problem. Uh, Manifesting. Manifesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I would I would follow up and I will pursue you like I did for this one. It would be nice 
Don't worry. Oh my god, you need to see what we did. I mean, yeah. you need to see what we did to them on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell me more uh, about current demands for designers in the tech industry. Like, uh, is it going up? Is it a flat line? Is it going down? How is that space right now? Oh, okay. So I feel like with uh, product designers, there are so many uh, startups that are rising as much as people feel like, oh, there's a great decline or resignation or people, they're firing people, many of the big startups. But people would always have ideas. People would always have um, projects they want to run and then they need somebody to actually work and build the visuals for those products or those solutions that they have. So I feel like there will always be a niche for product designers. So you just have to find out what kind of thing do I want to do? There's always plenty. There's always a niche. No matter, even in the great decline or the great resignation, people are resigning or they're firing people. I feel like there's always a need for the services that you have. You just have to be able to tailor it to the right industry. And that matters most. And that differentiates a very good designer from another designer you get so your ability to not just be yeah. um, in a straight line so vertical and horizontally so vertically you understand your job and know the details of what your job entails you're a good designer but you also have to be good with stakeholder management you also have to be good at uh, some business skills like code calling and selling out yourself to these industries that means that you will always be relevant that means that you're t-shaped so for product designers that t-shaped they'll always find uh, services or solutions that they can help. In terms of hiring those people, how do you see, like, how do you know from someone's portfolio or something that, okay, this person is T-shaped or this person is good uh, at what they do? Okay. So somebody that's T-shaped, it means that the person has, like, skills from, like, different... Um, fields or a side journey from a different perspective. So, for example, now, so wonder I'm looking at somebody's profile, and probably that person probably starts his experience as a customer success person before becoming um, a product designer. I know that person is t-shaped because I can see that whatever he's designing, he'll be able to design with the end user in mind because he has interfaced a lot with customers. And he can be able to see and understand their pain points. So he can bring the skills that he has from customer success, translate it into whatever he's doing as a product designer. I hope that helps. And so when looking at somebody's profile, it's also important to look at the person's career history. Um, it's also important to look at where the person is coming from. So even if you've, you've not, you don't have a lot of experience, as like three to five years experience, on, on the job in product design. But where are you coming from? Are you coming from a sales angle? Are you coming from a customer support, customer success angle? Are you coming from an engineering perspective? So whatever skills that you've been doing before, it's actually important because it accumulates and, and depending on how you tailor it on your CV, it can actually um, make a buffer to making you being a great hire for the company. So what's the um, recruitment process like for sourcing candidates, you know? Uh, okay, so for sourcing candidates, I'll say it differs from companies to companies, from startups to startups, from organization to organization. Recruitment and hiring and sourcing um, it differs. The stages differs. Um, the process differs. But one thing is one thing is a constant is that you probably go through a recruiter screen. And so, for example, in some companies, um, recruiter screening is probably done by uh, the HR person or the hiring manager. So, for example, you're probably applying for a role as a product design associate, and meaning there's a product design manager already on the team, and she's probably looking for somebody to join his team. So, for some companies, it's the product uh, design manager that'll probably be doing. It's the product design manager that'll probably be doing the hiring. Often, for some companies, it's probably the HR, and if it's the HR, you probably know that. Um, the person will be look, will not be looking at some things. Um, probably just be looking at oh career history, career profile, and all of that. And they feel like oh you're a good fit, and then they send it to the hiring manager for you to have 
an interview with probably the product manager to have a one-on-one -on -one discussion so that they can see if you're the best person for the team and so if your cv first of all is going through a hr person you just have to know that your cv has to be well tailored your skill sets because they already have like what they're looking for probably they're looking for somebody with three to five years mm. experience the hr person or the recruiter technical recruiter would be looking at those things and said yes this is what i need the person needs somebody that can work with these tools this is what i need the person needs somebody that uh, um, has like a portfolio that has very detailed case studies or has done something similar to what they are looking for so for example they are their startup or their company they're trying to launch or redesign their their mobile app and it's actually a fintech company or they're looking for somebody that has worked with um in fintech basically or banking and then you have like something that you've done in that regard gives you an edge so firstly your cv or your portfolio is the first is the first interaction you're having with that person and so that should speak for you because that will get you to the next stage with probably the technical person, which is the product design manager. Hope that answers the question. But for for some people, uh, if it's a product um, design manager that's probably reviewing, that's more detailed because the product design manager knows what he's looking for in a team, and that would depends on the skills that are deficient in his team that he wants to come for, and that will also give you an edge. Another way that people could actually get in is through cold calls and so you know somebody that and i've seen a lot of people do this i do this personally um is actually reach out to uh the stakeholders so probably the global head of hr or for example now the person i'm working with which is a really funny story i've always wanted to work with them and so a few years back i was probably not qualified for the role i was applying for it was a senior role and i probably had like one year or two years experience and i was applying for it I don't know the kind of boldness. You know, after listening to motivational speakers, you're like, yes, I can do this. And then <laughs> I sent out, I sent yeah. out my application for it. I sent out, yeah, I sent out my application for it and I sent it, I sent a message to the hiring manager and chief of officer. I was like, I applied for this role and here's how valuable I am. So I stated why I should be on the team and how much I'm looking forward to being on the team. And she's like, and fingers crossed if you're hired you're hired so that's also another thing that you could do um, once you apply for something reach out to technical recruiter it keeps your name top of mind especially when you're able to sell yourself rightly and when you're selling yourself don't just talk about yourself all through you can actually praise the team talk about how much uh, value they've been putting out there so even if you don't get the job they'll remember you as somebody that appreciates their work so reviews are really great. If you want to work on the product design team and you feel like all oh, the product designers on the team are doing a great job, praise yeah. them, give feedback, reviews, positive reviews, and say yes. And I've also applied for this because I feel like I could bring this set of skills to your product um, design team. That would be really um, um, great for the kind of products that you design or launch for uh, the people or the markets that you serve. So that's also great. And afterwards, just wait for if you're called for an interview. An interview of be it um a remote interview or physical interview, that's a conversation for another yeah. time. But yeah, we're looking for we're talking about how to get your feet through the door. So first off, your C V yeah. you have to tailor it. So if you're applying for different startups or different projects, you have to make sure it is tailored. You can it's not a one size fits all because different people know they're looking for different things. And don't just rush your application. Go through it, sit on it, look at it, understand the perspective that you're coming from. And I feel like if you're able to do yeah. that, you'll be able to get lesser rejection rates and more acceptance. I'm learning now that when you're applying product manage, product design manager and HR are like two separate people and you know, your resume or your CV passing through through these two separate people will determine if you get hired or not. So this is like if my CV is suited for like a product design manager and then HR mistakenly goes here, that means I feel just miss the opportunity like that, or maybe the design manager is not around, or probably I apply to the wrong person. That's how it's mm. going to go like that. Yeah. Not like you apply to the wrong 
not like it, you apply to the wrong person. So it depends on the team. So for example, for some people, they also use, which is another thing I failed to mention, is they outsource their hiring. Uh, so there are some people that they probably outsource it to another company or organization to go through it. So the organization knows the, the organization that's hiring and that it's that role. Let me say it's XYZ. And then they outsource it to ABC to actually review and get candidates for them. So ABC reviews based on the um, um, job description that XYZ needs. And then they send it back to XYZ. And XYZ can now do physical interviews. So it depends on the uh, process. So for some people, directly your hiring manager is the product design manager. And he design, he knows what he's looking for in his team. And he handles that interview process or recruitment process in partnership with the HR team. For some people, it's just the HR team that handles that. Do you get me? And then they move the physical interview oh, okay. process to the hiring manager, which might probably be uh, the person in charge. For some people, it's just the HR manager that does it from beginning to end, from start to finish. Beginning and so because of what, for example, the product designer said, okay, I'm looking for this, 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 A, B, C. And that's what it's going to follow, two to nail. I don't know if you understand me. Yeah. So yeah. the process differs from each organization yeah. and their purpose. Hi, before we get back into the pod, this podcast is sponsored by Nairoption. Now, Nairoption is so amazing for me, young Nigerians, about politics, startups, tech founders, stories of interesting Nigerian youths like you, uh, maybe you, maybe you, maybe. However, you know, they have a podcast and they also give out news about stock exchange. Now, I'm very serious about this because Nairoption is fun to read. They distill articles that are about stock exchange, market value interesting political news that's happening for young nigerians two young nigerians by young nigerians and it's fun you know check out their podcast and their instagram handles to find out more information but like trust me honestly it's it is fun yeah with that being said uh let's get back into the pod so it doesn't mean that it's very essential to know the process of each organization before you apply and i send like your code mail or something like that uh, so it depends. So uh, for some company, they put out the process, uh, and which is really great. Um, and I think that it's actually good for companies to be really inclusive and like put out every information that you need. Be open about it, because once you're open, it gives room for more people to actually apply. For um, statistics show that a lot of female designers or females, when they're applying for a job, they feel like they don't check all the boxes, they will not apply. But if you actually put a disclaimer and say, even if you check about two to three boxes, you can still apply. So you don't miss out on some people. There are some people that have like really great talent and they will not apply because they don't check all the boxes. But if you feel like you check almost all the boxes, you can actually apply for this. So putting out all those um, messages like that actually makes uh, hiring very inclusive and such that you get um, really good um, candidates applying for your jobs. So you can actually put out and say, okay, this is the process. So stage one, you go through the hiring manager screen. Stage two, uh, you have like a project that you have to do. Stage three, uh, you go through like how many stages of physical interviews before you get your offers. So it's actually great to have all of those process detailed out. Some companies don't, and you can actually reach out to the hiring manager to find out. I think that LinkedIn is a leveler. You can actually reach out to anybody yeah. on LinkedIn. You can send a message. You can uh, drop a message, drop a connection with them and send a message. You don't have to go to their office or send post letters or letter to them. Uh, LinkedIn is a leveler and so utilize it as much as possible. If you're looking for a job, LinkedIn should be your best friend. I don't know, people get to say that when they open LinkedIn, they feel anxious or they get rejections <laughs> or they just feel like low self-esteem or they're not qualified enough. But yeah. I feel like LinkedIn is a leveler, and I'll say it again. You should use it. Um, don't just open the app and feel discouraged and be like, oh, I'm at this space, and my friends or my people, same age as me, are on another level, on another pedestal. Don't place yourself on any on any pedestal. The only pedestal that you can place yourself is the one where you're at. And people's mm-hmm. growth rates, you can, they don't have to go the same way. The, man, the way, same way mango grows, it's not the same way yam will grow. 
And so your different <laughs> fruits, different, tailored to different conditions. So you don't have to put your pressure on yourself. You might say, oh, I have to send about 100, 100 applications before getting that one job. That's person's A um, perspective. And probably that person is a mango and that has a good soil. And you have to do that way. You might probably be a rice. And the kind of um, soil that you need to grow might be probably be different. You probably yeah. just have to send a cold mail, a cold message to somebody on LinkedIn, and then they reach out to you. You probably don't have to do like seven interview stages, probably be two, or just send your profile and like, oh my God, I'm impressive. So as much as possible, I will advise creatives, the only pedestal you can put yourself is the one you set for yourself, really. Don't look at anybody and say, oh, this is A, B, C that mm -hmm. I have to follow. Your growth might be X, Y, Z, B, A, K, J, W. It doesn't have to be A, B, C. Give yourself yeah. some breaks sometimes. <laughs> Interesting. So it's good you mentioned all of this because uh, my next question is in line of technology. Like, how can you say now, uh, how do you think advancement in technology will impact the role of hiring? right now and like in the future? I feel like technology is a really great tool and it's anything you make of it. It's amoral. It's, if it's good to use because you're using, if it works for you because you're using it the way it's supposed to be used um, or you're using it to your own advantage. If it's not working for you, you're probably you're not using just like money. Money is a tool. So technology is a tool as well. And it's actually really impressive because we now have like, in terms of HR tech, we now have like ATS. So there are some companies that use ATS. They just probably put um, the key criteria that they are looking for. And if your CV is not tailored to that or doesn't have the key um, requirements that they're looking for, it just filters you out. And so as much as possible, why I said I mentioned tailor your CV or your resume, to whatever the organization needs. So if they say, oh, they need somebody with a FinTech experience, they need somebody with three to five years experience, they need somebody with a UI or UX experience, all those kind of um, details actually important for you to include so that ATS doesn't screen you out. So there are some systems, uh, application process that goes through ATS first before um, it, a HR person or a technical recruiter goes through it and so it's important that you tell your cv rightly um there are also um, organizations like one tabulo what they do is you can actually upload and i feel like creatives should check it out you can actually upload um your you can upload your portfolio or your profile and then organizations go on this um, website and they can find you there so once they're looking for a product designer they can search for uh, somebody with InDesign or somebody that has done um, basically anything that they're looking for and they can find it. So those are like technologies that are coming up. So you can find talent on everything that you need. It's a holistic platform. You can find talents and everything you need on the platform. I think that people should check it out. I'm going to mention like sites like Angelis, Glassdoor, um, you know, those are relating to like where people can upload their portfolio and then like um, recruiters or companies people find them. So just in relation to that, I have a question in that line, but I want to ask you Esther, you, do you think that technology would affect the way recruiters are working now? Like would recruiters still have jobs in the future in the way the whole ATS and the whole AI technology is coming to replace so many things? If I have an ATS and I can set the ATS up to you know, filter people, and then I have an AI that automatically sends email to the five people that it has filtered, and then the same AI is going to also reply and send the follow-ups again. Will I need a human recruiter there? Will I need two recruiters in the company? Will I need all of that? Do you think that would change the whole perspective of your job as like a recruiter? I have to come down and answer this question because my job is my life. I have to tell people that my life is my life. Okay. So I'll say this, that it is very unlikely that AI technology or 
uh, tech tech tools that they get and they would replace um, recruiters or HR professionals. What I can say is that it would automate or help. That it's a very important question. Seeing that there's some tech tools that are coming up, for example, ATS, which helps um, filter or save CVs immediately. But it is very unlikely that AI technologies would replace the job of HR professionals or technical recruiters. Rather, they can actually help improve or automate the process of our jobs. So they are not currently saying, oh, they would replace uh, the jobs of HR, but it would actually help improve efficiency of the work that we do. For example, so we don't have to waste or spend how many days uh, screening CVs. So if, I, I can tell you that the, the job market is so open right now. So you can put out a job. So you're looking for a product designer today and you're getting about 500 CVs. The human element, I mean, reviewing that will probably elongate the hiring process. That it would take probably two weeks. But with automated technology tools, you can actually do that under a week. Get. So such that as resume screening, candidate sourcing, it can save a recruiter's time. It can save a major professional's time. So, but as much as that, so even if ATS or these technological tools help screen the CVs, you still need the human element. You still need the human touch. And that is why, for example, now, after that, you now have like a physical interview or a remote interview where you have to interface with the hiring manager and that way they can be able to tell if you're a culture fit so if your your values align with your values if your experience aligns with them so there's this thing of intuition and experience that mm -hmm. um, hr professionals used to evaluate if you're very well ideal for their team so they can be able to check all culture fit soft skills and any other important factor that they can add that cannot be measured by AI. So AI can be a helpful tool for recruiters, but it will not replace um, HR professionals anytime soon. Interesting. So what's that intuition? What is that thing that you guys have that you can say, well, this guy, this person, this person, if he deletes Figma file, if he fire him today, <laughs> or if he deletes <laughs> some kind of thing. Okay, so there's some, there's, some, there's some recruitment process where they ask you to take a personality test. So that's like something um, they also uh, they also do. So personality tests to check the kind of personality type that you are. So it is said that type A personalities, they are very, very, they are perfectionist. So they want to get things done, basically. So some people do personality tests. But... In, I don't know how to explain intuition. It's it's a knowing that you just know. Like your gut feeling just tells you that this person is not a right fit. And because uh, um, HR, they don't just do things by intuition. It's also good to also back it with data. And that's where HR analytics also comes. So if you're looking for culture values, so you write, okay, we want somebody that is adaptable or we want somebody that is innovative. And that's like something you want to measure as a cultural fit for your organization. You can be able to tell if somebody is adaptive or innovative by conversations with them. Um, what have they built? How, how, how do they think outside the box? Uh, are they uh, proactive? So you could ask one or two questions. So tell me about a time where you were proactive or you need something needed to be done and you'll be able to step up and do that thing or uh, go an extra mile. Those kind of questions can be able to check. Uh, those are behavioral questions that you can check if someone is a cultural fit for your organization. So yeah, so that's why I say intuition. It's just annoying. And because intuition can sometimes lie, and that is why it is important that HR professionals also back whatever they're doing with data. And so you have like HR data analytics. Nice. So, well, well all these questions, I'm right. I'm thinking, if you see me like this, I'm taking notes, you know, I'm writing down things. <laughs> Because you mentioned type A personality. I really need to learn what that is. Now, as a psychologist yourself, can you explain what that is? Let me see. Um, 
How do I break it down slowly and strong without using so many jargons? Use the jargons first, then break it down. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think as much as possible, it is important that you're able to, I think that's, that's what communication is, to be able to communicate okay. something such that anybody listening to it can understand without having to open your dictionary or Googling what you're trying to say. So type A personality ideally are people that are really goal-oriented and competitive they are focused on the tasks and they're like, this is it. They're highly self-motivated and ambitious. They push themselves beyond their limit to succeed and which has a downside. It means they're also easily burnt out. They're also stressed. And when things don't go according to plan, they can go all hyper and get angry or out of self-control and push because they're pushing the team to achieve beyond the set time so for example somebody a type a personality wants to launch something and they're like this is the time we have to launch it they ha- they are self-motivated such that goal oriented such that at that time it must be launched at the time when it's um it's supposed to be launched so it's it's important to have like a healthy balance so imagine having in a team three type a personalities that means that means as much as it's good it also has to be a balance, a healthy balance between drive and relaxation. Else, you just drive yeah. your team to burnout and toxic work culture. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Just describe me, dear. But like, thank God. In terms of, <laughs> in terms of now, this is another question. In relating to what you said about asking, like making job applications and then having people rapidly apply for it with the help of these technologies. What is the idea, exactly? What's the idea behind all those job postings that would see that you need to understand how Apple works and how Windows works, and you need to be able to have five years of experience, but yet you are willing to collect um, intense salary? Like, what's the idea behind all of that? What's the intention? I think that's if a, I red see... flag, a big red flag, which is actually, yes, that's actually a big red flag. And I feel like as much as um, you are unemployed and looking to get a job, you are also a decision maker. So you have to be intentional mm-hmm. about the place you work and the people, what kind of work you want to do. You are not weed. You don't have to grow anyhow. <laughs> you are not weed. You don't have to grow anyhow. So you have to look for, you have to be intentional about the places you want to work and what kind of work you want to do at the different stages of your life. And so it is important that whatever you have, like a, a, a list of things that you want to do, want to work on or where you want to work on and why you want to work on those places. And these are examples I can give. So what you're looking for, mm-hmm. say, what, what am I looking for in a company? So I'm looking for a company that has flexible work arrangements. And so the timing, I don't want to be working odd hours. I don't want to be having calls, erratic calls on Saturday. I want to work at an organization that values time. And so that's like something you should be able to check. I want to work on a team that is diverse. So that means probably I want to work um, in a company that has like diverse teams. Probably they have, if you're African and you want to work with people in Europe or people in Asia or people in the U.S., or diverse team in terms of the kind of skill sets skill sets that they have. I want to uh, work at a place that has like uh, open communication. I want to work for at a place that, it, that the the team is bonded by the love for the products. And you can always tell from their uh, messaging, from the people, from the employees, and um, from their reviews on Glassdoor and having conversations with them. I want to also work at a place where they promote people from within. There are many places where yeah. you're probably looking for, um, probably you have like designers in-house and they want to hire like a product, uh, senior product designer. Instead of promoting the, sen- the junior product designer who has been working on your team, they probably can hire somebody differently. Do you want, that's also something you have to check. So how, how much are people yeah. promoted from within the team? Is there internal mobility or you're just stuck at this place for a lot of time uh, is there a community 
is there um do they practice inclusion so these are like things that you have to check off i want to work at a place that they are product driven or they are data driven so they don't just make a decision because oh the ceo says xyz or because the ceo the ceo coo say this is what we're doing right now and then somebody else say no this is what the stakeholders are saying we should do so you say i want to work at an organization that is data driven that's something you should also be looking at um I want to work at a place that's fast-paced. I want to work at a place that values um, emotional quotient and or use cutting edge te technologies or use agile methods. Those are like or data design-driven, product-driven people that say customer come first. There are people that don't value their customers. They are, they don't value their yeah. customers, and you can always tell by how they attend to them or respond to them. They are the mediums, um, different social mediums. Uh, they don't reply messages and you'll be like imagine you're not working there and somebody now may say yeah and you're working at this place so mm -hmm. see what they'll always drag you into it so these are like things you have to check out for so as much as um you're applying to a place that you want them to accept you you also have like a decision power to choose the kind of place that you want to work so don't leave it to chance i like their i like their logo but i said their color fine you know, their office is fine, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't even be deceived by social media. You have to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And these are also things you can ask from people that work there or from people uh, from people that work there, people that used to work there. And these are things that you can also pick up. Give me the gist involving like you hiring somebody that is a successful candidate, successfully good hire. How did that make you feel? What did you see in that person that are like, damn? Okay, I think I would say this just, uh, what was the role we were recruiting for? I think it's a software engineer. I'm like, yeah, software engineer. And basically, because I'm the HR person in charge of it. And I had to just follow through. But most of the technical interviews were done by uh, the senior engineers on the team. But it was beautiful to just be part of like the culture interview, which is the one I handled, um, basically to check the person's culture fit for our organization. And going through that, all the questions, behavioral questions, you could see that this person has like, this person is product and data driven. This person is also uh, passionate about the team, about the welfare of the team. They're a team player. And it was it was actually beautiful to see. And we're all like, you should hire this person. You should hire this person. Yes. We all give our yeses. And three months in, during performance review, it was just great to have everybody concur that same thing that I felt like this person is during calibration sessions. And they're like, all oh, this person embodies our values. This person is proactive. This person um, um, treats, um, it's open to collaboration, open to feedback, and all of their OKRs. It was just so beautiful to see. And that's at the high point of my work is being able to be part of people's process and seeing them grow on the job. I think it gives me the most joy. Everybody concurred that he's actually a great hire. He's a five-pointer. Um, he embodied the values, the organizational values. He was proactive. He helped out. People had examples of time where he stepped up to do things for the team or where he helped out. And he also collaborated with people outside his team. So maybe somebody in marketing or somebody trying to do something or somebody in IT. And he just had a way of just connecting with people. It was, I think it's, it was beautiful to see. And that's like one of the highlights of uh, working in people operations is you get to be part of people's success stories and it's just important to see how um, you're part of the process and then the person does well it just it sparks joy let me just say mm -hmm. it's yeah i think yeah that's that's very interesting one i i think i understand that feeling is like let me give an abstract illustration is like you are part of the process of cooking one sweet jello fries and then you have all the men, the men that's inside, and then when the jello fries are done, and then somebody eats it, and you see the smile on their face, and you're like, damn, this guy is the entire, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know. Exactly, 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 yes. That, that, that's like, it, it, I think that's, that's the, that's the part or the tap on the back that you're doing a very good job.
interesting that's nice that's nice congratulations so let's let's dive a little bit deep into that can you remember exactly what stood out for the person like what kind of questions did you ask that made them be like that behavioral fit aside you know just knowing that okay this person is this was there anything the person mentioned how they dressed how they looked like what they said specifically that sparks that Hmm, uh, I think this guy will be good. Okay, so for because you're going to have like diverse listeners, I'll say this is that it's not a one size fits all. So it's not like oh this is how you're supposed to answer this question. Um, but I'll give a guideline to how to answer inter- behavioral interview questions, which is using um the star approach. So the star approach is you ask the question, for example, uh. Tell me about a time um, you were proactive or you stepped out or there was something wrong and you had to use um, data to drive your decision making. Use the STAR approach. STAR is the S for situation. So what happened? What was the issue? What was the complaint? What was the challenge? Then what is it called? The T. Hope I can remember this one. Yeah. yeah, the T is the tax. So what was the tax that you did? Um, the A is the action. What action did you carry out? Uh, the R, the R is the result. So after you did the tax and the action that you carried out, what was the result? And then the L, which is actually really important. And I like to add this, is the lesson you learned from it. And so if you can successfully answer your questions, any behavioral questions using this, you'll be able to capture the mind of the interviewer. like. That's a solid. So situation, what happened? What was the challenge? To tax, what 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 was the tax that you had to do? Um, was um the action? What action did you carry out? I did A B C. I did X Y Z. I did one two three. And what was the result? I did one two three, and then it gave me four five six. And by doing or by getting four five six, I learned that once I do one plus one and two plus two, I'll get two and four. So if you can use this approach to answer any of the behavioral questions that you're thrown at, it gives you a solid response. So you're not rambling, you're not beating around the bush. And it's also important to be honest because um, I think there's something, there's some things that you can also pick out. There's one interview I was having and we asked the person, have you ever failed? Or how do you learn from failure? And he he was like, he doesn't believe he can fail. <laughs> and I stared at the person like this. Like there was this pause, all of us on the interview panel, and we're looking at the person like this. He said, Yes, I don't believe in failure. He doesn't believe he can fail. I mean that's a good belief, but it's not good for our team because there'll always be failures. But it's your perception and how you're able to pick up yourself from that. Yeah. So it means that kind of person, especially when it's not like a senior role, it means that kind of person can quickly become toxic, which is not healthy for a yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, that's a very interesting thing. Like, not believing you can fail at all. I think it's, it's something that can help you, you know, push yourself to the limit. Not being, I can never fail. Like reality check, you know, everybody feels even like a child, a child that does not know jack shit would also definitely feel, you know. So, uh, even yeah. your mom has failed, even if you've, you've not, even if you've, even if you've not failed at work, probably you can actually give a human element. So, you could tell a story of probably how you try to cook jellof and the jellof got burnt or the rice was <laughs> bad and you didn't like the ex- I mean, these are like things that you, it doesn't have to be with work. And that's where your human elements and vulnerability comes. So you might say, oh, I tried to do this and I really tried my best. But at the end of the day, I just realized that it wouldn't work or there was something wrong. And it's also important to own up to responsibility, especially when you're giving your side of the story, because it's what the interviewer hears. And they can also pick and say, oh, you're throwing everybody on the team under the bus. And saying or absorbing yeah. yourself of responsibility so it also that's where lessons learned I, I added that to the star approach is also important for you to actually give a human element of 
what you've learned on the whole process. So yeah. Oh, nice. So I will try and just breeze through because I have so many interesting questions here. Not uh, Dempsey Day. So let me let me go into this one, right? So now, what was oh, the most memorable war you? Ah, he do. <laughs> Hold on. What's the most memorable unique job application you have ever received? Um, that stood out to you. I have a follow up to that, but like the most memorable job application that somebody sent you a cold mail or you saw it and I'm like, damn, this person really took their time out like write this application. I can't remember the role. I can't remember the role, but I remember what the the, the content looks like looked like. So. This person added a cover letter in the email, in the email application, and it was really interesting. He was able to um, explain his skills, so the skills he had, um, where he was looking at going, his kind of team he wants to work at, and the kind of value that he can give or add to the company. And he's also his CV. The way it was tailored, I think it was just everything. It just showed that this person has like pays a lot of attention to detail. It was not so fancy in terms of oh, there was blue design here and yellow design mm -hmm. here, or he added his picture that he did portrait session in one photography studio, whatever. It was not all of that, but his CV was clean and crisp. Like this person paid attention to detail. And then the cover letter it was spot on. He was able to introduce himself and like a career summary. He showed where, how many years of experience, what he has worked on. And this person is also T-shaped, meaning they had skills that they were bringing up from. This person was in marketing and communications before, and now they're working in, what was he called, in an engineering field. And it was just beautiful to see how all of that just adds up. And looking at it, I was like, Oh my god, this is so good. Like this is this is really good. And I've also seen from entry level guys, um, interns. Um, I think that's that's also another wonderful one that I have seen. If it, it was just the cover letter that did it. It was just it was a solid. Yeah. So I'll say if you don't have a lot of experience, especially for interns or entry level roles, your cover letter is your human elements that you could add up. That you go to my just read and be like, let me give this person a chance. Or links to so even if you have if you have if you have links that you could attach, you have a blog, you have uh, a passion project that you do, or something that you just attach links to your work or your portfolio, or you did something and it was carried out by or it trended or you your design basically it is so much detail i've seen an application where it was just everything he was given they had hyperlinks to it so for everything that we needed for everything on the job description that we're requesting for he had a hyperlink so that's of something that he has done that had footprints that we could actually see so i'll probably be looking at this oh i've worked on this and i'm clicking on it to see how he has done that i mean it's proof already that this person is good on is going to be good on the team. So now before I move on, like do you stop going through portfolios when you find that one fit or you be like, let me go through all of them and see if I'll find another best fit? Okay. You you don't stop. Because it's actually it's like you're building a talent pipeline. So you don't stop. Even if you get the very best, uh even if you get the very best, you just have to have like a backup line. What if this person, the very best that you have, says no, or that your salary um, gap, the salary is too small for him and he wants something bigger, and that's not the budget that you have. So you don't just stop at one person. You have like three persons for a backup for that role. So. Okay. Or what if this person falls sick? So what if the event of God happens and this person is not available? <laughs> what if the person chapter? You just have to have uh, like sure. three or four profiles. So as a recruiter, you reach out to three or four of those people and like book the meeting with them, interview, and not just have one person. Yeah. Do you really use ATS CVs? Uh, you know, 
or sometimes you just be like i think i just use my head that's if the if the application is not plenty let's say 20. will you use an ets still i think it depends on the organization so you could always use ets you could always use your own organizations so it depends on the organization how and the kind of how process. can i cheat an ets how can i pass an ets <laughs> okay first of all you have to use a word or a pdf just word or pdf word of. format and then all of yes word or pdf format submit your cvs in word or pdf format but I'll highly subscribe to word and um, pdf format highly subscribe to pdf format remove the pictures from your cv you can put that in your portfolio or any other thing or your case studies that you want to upload you can use that but you. your cv should just be neat and well arranged your skills it's actually funny where i see people i don't know probably not funny to be but it's funny when i see people so you put uh you put like um what would i say uh, give me an example of a, a hard skill or soft skill i i should do that anyway yes okay so soft skills are like um for example now i'm empathic i'm empathic i'm very straightforward and i give you know very straightforward and specific I feedback that's one thing that I... one. you see you said four. one i said <laughs> one you said <laughs> okay i don't they feel i don't feel exam <laughs> empathy okay empathy but in this um job description they didn't say empathy they probably wrote it as emotional intelligence and so we have to put emotional intelligence so you can pick up that you have emotional intelligence are you getting if it's a human element you'll probably pick up that, okay emotional intelligence empathy but if it's going to a thief you probably just have to put a couple of uh, skills that they added in the job description for it nice oh my god i've been missing that part so hard skills now let's say um i know how to, i'm a designer i'm a designer but i can write mm -hmm. code okay you also include that especially when was it called they actually mentioned oh they're looking for a designer that has a background in or that can use python that can use php that can use bash or can use javascript that's also something you should include in your cv interesting i wouldn't know if you don't put it except i have a conversation with you but your cv is your first foot through the door so include everything that you think the recruiter should know at first hand okay are there any other back-end tricks inside the ats thing you can share it's just me and you on this call it's just two of us <laughs> no way no way no i don't have any other tips or tricks so uh what was one time where you have like a difficult decision you had to make a difficult decision hiring somebody like you had to either use a certain metric to pick between these two people to hire or like what stood out and like how did you even get in that position okay so because uh, for every interview that um i've handled there's always like an interview panel so it's not just you making a decision the candidate has gone through like three or four persons before um it's going to close down so there is a vote of confidence and so okay, yes this person is a yes and the person gets like three yeses and then that's a go and nobody feels like at their stage or oh, they feel like this person will not perform and then for people that somebody probably said oh this person will not perform and he was still hired it turned out that the person could not perform you get so it's not just you that's why it's actually in beneficial for not just one person to run through the interview process from start to finish so if you have like a interview panel running the interview process it gives it helps um decision making makes it easier so you're not just making decision because you think oh this is so favoritism doesn't come into play so you have like a metrics and then this person is a yes and all of the metrics they're using 
Hi, before we get back into the pod, this podcast is sponsored by Naira Option. Now, Naira Option is so amazing for me, young Nigerians, about politics, startups, tech founders, stories of interesting Nigerian youths like you, uh, maybe you, maybe you, maybe. However, you know, they have a podcast and they also give out news about stock exchange. Now, I'm very serious about this because Naira Option is fun to read. They distill articles that are about stock exchange, market value interesting political news that's happening for young nigerians two young nigerians by young nigerians and it's fun you know check out their podcast and their instagram handles to find out more information but like trust me honestly it's it is fun yeah with that being said uh let's get back into the pod is it possible for me that's hiring or me that's applying to be able to see the metrics that everybody on the hiring board is using or to be able to find find it somewhere will it be on the job description company where uh some companies they actually uh they actually write it or they state like they have like a blog on what they're always looking for or how to pass through their job interviews um there's one company which i really like um i like their product i like it's a fintech it's in the uk monzo you would see um um you would see details about how to pass their interview process what they are looking for. Uh, you see details about a day in the life of a product designer, a day in the life of a software engineer, and all those stuff. It gives you, I think it helps candidates to know what they are looking for and how better um, aligned they are with the team. So some companies will share that detail. Some companies won't. So okay. to have that kind of information ahead of your interview, it is important that you probably reach out to one person that has worked there before or is currently working there and they might be gracious enough to share that information with you but it's also good to arm yourself okay. with that information before you go through any physical interview stage nice have you ever ghosted somebody's application before i don't like to ghost people why does it happen why oh, does it on, happen uh, probably most times they are swamped maybe because the person the hiring manager is swamped uh, with so many interviews or work and they kind of just forgot or maybe they procrastinated and say I'll send it or they did not send it most times that's it but I don't like to ghost people because I wouldn't like to be ghosted so I don't do that yeah. it's not a value so as most except you're looking for so for first stage interviews you might probably just get a normal rejection mail for second third stage interviews you might not get a reason why they are rejected rather than a generic rejection. So I don't like to ghost people and I don't think HR professionals or recruiters should ghost people. Very painful aspects, you know, because after sending so much application, as someone who sends cold emails a lot, I chop a lot of ghosting. So I send cold emails to some companies and I can I can know that they open my email. Well you know just reply and I'm like Damn, ah shit. So that happens and it's painful. Now, towards the end, I have a few more questions. Layoffs. Layoffs, right? Do recruiters have their hands inside layoffs? Do do, do you have your hands in picking who to fire? Because you guys had your had your hands in looking for who to hire. Um, I'll answer this in this way. So I'll say it's it's not it's not an easy decision to make. Especially when you work with people for a very long time, it's really not an easy decision to make. Uh, so I'd say for layoffs, I don't have. Uh, I'd say this layoffs doesn't just happen. So most times it's probably from the manager. He had to go through so many comments: the CEO, uh, CEO, chief of operations, heads of department, HOD, head of departments. Uh, the line manager and all of those conversations. So it's it's a chain of conversations that happen before layoffs just happen. So it's not like, oh, it's the HR, um, HR manager or the HR professionals are just hiring somebody. So there's a couple of conversations that happen. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that, that comes to the end. So I don't take too much of your time. Thank you so much for sitting with me on this episode. I really really appreciate it uh thank you so much and for all the breaks and breakouts i I really apologize for that 
on this episode, on the podcast episode, I give out merch to my guests. So hopefully you're in Lagos, right? Um, are you? Okay, I'll be coming to Lagos sometime in May, and I will send you a you know, a merch is a not just design merch. Is my thank you for coming to sit down and hear my gist for free. There's one more thing that I wanted to do, but there's no time. So hopefully, I'll send it over to you in an email or like just ask you in the next episode that if you get to have the time again. In the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, thank you very much for seeing me. I really, I really, really appreciate it. Um, have a nice day. 